0: Good to see you this morning. Great you can be here. Uh, what a wonderful privilege it is to be able to come together and worship God with brothers and sisters in Christ. And we have several who are gone. Some are at the hospital right now. Sorry to hear that. Uh, some are traveling. Some I'm not sure where they are. So just to reach out to them and uh, encourage them. And it's just so great to have you here and great to have uh, visitors with us today. Um, After we finish here, if your stomach's empty, we usually eat here every week. And you can tell by our waistlines, we do that pretty well. So anyway, uh, you know, it's kind of interesting, this uh, passage of scripture that I've got today as we're preaching through Titus. And I put 12, uh, chapter 2, verse 11 through 15 together. It might get broke into uh, two sermons, though. Because I got a lot here. Uh, There is a ton here. I could do a sermon on every verse, but sooner or later we got to get through Titus. uh, Because if the Lord comes and I don't finish Titus, I'll be happy anyway. So, anyway, uh, if that's his plan, I'm good with it. But Titus chapter 2 and verse 11 has such a substantial statement in it for the grace of God has appeared. For the grace of God has appeared. I think it's so interesting as people misuse and abuse the term grace as the Bible uses. One thing that always interested me from the time I was a kid, we didn't say this in my family, but I go to church activities and they say, would you say grace? Yeah, grace. They meant say the prayer, but I thought, well, that's not the word grace isn't a word for prayer. But anyway, I don't know where that term, why that started being said, Uh, but pretty much to put grace in a nutshell, you're talking about Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is where grace is found. Jesus Christ is where grace is extended. And if you're not in Christ, you don't have any spiritual blessings, so you're absent of grace. Uh, Grace is unmerited favor. That means you can't um, buy it. You can't deserve it. Um, God has granted to, I will never deserve Jesus pain for my sin. I'm never going to, I'm never going to do anything that makes me worthwhile of that sacrifice. But God loved me so much that he did it anyway. Wow. Uh, So I think about this as he talks about this grace and he says, I want you to know this about grace. He says, because it's bringing salvation to all bald men. No, all men. And that word means mankind. That will include men and women. God has sent His Son Jesus here. The grace of God has appeared so all men will have the opportunity to be saved. Not that all men will be saved because if that was saying all men are saved, then Jesus was wrong in Matthew 7, 13, and 14 just to mention one passage where he says many are going to go that broad, easy way that leads to destruction. Only a few are going to find the straight and narrow way that leads to eternal life. So I know that cannot mean everyone's going to be saved. It means everyone will have the opportunity to be saved. AND IT DOESN'T MAKE ANY DIFFERENCE OF YOUR EDUCATION, IT DOESN'T MAKE ANY DIFFERENCE OF WHAT NATIONALITY YOU BELONG TO, OR WE COULD JUST GO ON AND ON WITH THE LIST, COULDN'T WE? NONE OF THAT MAKES ANY DIFFERENCE. IF YOU'RE A HUMAN BEING, GOD SENT CHRIST HERE TO SAVE YOUR SOUL. IF YOU DON'T TAKE ADVANTAGE OF IT, DO NOT BLAME GOD. Now, I do know that he has some stipulations on what we must do to receive it. But that's pretty common, isn't it? It's pretty common to have some stipulations on things. Sometimes if you go to a bank to cash a check, if they don't know you well, they're going to ask to see your ID. You don't have any ID? Well, this check's right to me. I can't help it. If you don't have ID, we're not cashing a check. Why have an account here? I'm telling you, if you don't have ID, we're not cashing your check. You can yell and scream at it all you want. You know what? You're just going to have a sore throat and look a little foolish and still walk out with a piece of paper and no cash because there's a stipulation. Well, God puts stipulations on how to receive that salvation. We don't have time to cover all that today. See, I say I could easily in verse 11 spend the whole sermon in verse 11 because it's so powerful. But I think about this bringing salvation to all men. How great it is if you're lost to be saved. I've never really been lost In any physical form, I've maybe taken a wrong turn, had to backtrack, maybe got in a situation, man, where in the world am I at? Had to figure out how to get out. But I've never been in a situation where I just thought, I just will sit down here because I'm going to have to wait till someone comes get me because I don't know how to get out of here. But that would be frightening. And think what it'd be like if you were lost at sea or whatever and you're there days and you're about to dehydrate out and die of thirst and someone finally comes. I tell you what, you are going to feel and rightfully so that you owe them your life. Well, all of sin and fallen short of the glory of God, Romans 3:23, and since I've sinned, Romans 6:23 says the wages of that sin is death. Goes on in 623, but it says, But the free gift of God is grace. The free gift of God is eternal life. So either I can take and be obligated to what I owe and die spiritually, or I can take the gift that God has offered to me and have eternal life. saved, being saved. Let's look at a few verses. Turn with me to uh, 2 Timothy. Chapter one. I'm just going to hit two places in in uh, Second Timothy here. First of all, Second Timothy chapter one and verse ten. <clears throat> Probably should have picked up early. Let me read eight through ten for you. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord or of me, His prisoner. Paul's writing this from being in prison for not for committing some horrendous crime, as we would see it but of preaching the gospel. But join with me in my suffering for the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with his holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which he has granted us in, that's an important one, Christ Jesus from all eternity. But now has been revealed, hmm, now has been revealed, by the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality uh, to light through the gospel. Wow. Christ has brought about through the gospel salvation. We have that plain gospel message. The word gospel just means good news. The good news of salvation, the good news that here's all it takes to become a Christian. I don't care what anybody else says, I know what the Bible says. First of all, you've got to hear what the Bible says, or you can't have faith that pleases God, Romans 10, 17. So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. So you have to hear what the Bible says, um, and then you have to believe what it says about Jesus Christ being the Son of God and paying for your sin. Many passages on that, I guess, uh, just to mention one real quick, I might mention Mark 16, 16, he that believes and is baptized shall be saved, and he that disbelieves shall be condemned. So belief is also one of those things, hearing and believing. And then confessing Jesus with your own mouth, just like Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So just real quick, you have to hear the message from the Bible, not just because your mama said so. Hear the Bible, what it says about Jesus Christ. Believe that, where it changes your life, and you confess that. And then one must repent. Jesus said it pretty plain in Luke 13, 3. Unless you repent, change your ways. Unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Whew. Repentance demanded, isn't it? And then one must also be baptized to have one's sins washed away. Acts 22, 16 says... That's the plain, simple way. There's many, pa- many more passages I could throw at you, but I'm not going to do that. But if you have a question about it, ask me later. But that's what it takes. The world and religion, as it calls itself, I would call it false. The world and religion tells you there's all kinds of scenarios. That's not possible. Jesus says in John 14, verse 16, excuse me, John 14 and verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to Father but by me. So there's not 14, 15, 16, or a thousand ways to get to heaven. You know how many ways there are to get there? You know why that's so? Not because Kendall said so, because Jesus said so. That's plain and that's simple. Turn also over here in 2 Timothy 2 and verse 10. 2 Timothy 2 and verse 10. Again, let me back up to verse 8 before we get to verse 10. Sounds like I'm getting something pretty common. Back up to verse 8. Remember, now let me ask you something. Before you can remember something, you must first know something, right? So they already knew this. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, descendant of David, according to my gospel... For which I suffered hardship, even imprisonment, not as a criminal, but the word of God is not impri- not as a criminal, but the word of God is not in prison. For this reason I endure all things for the sake of those who are chosen, so that they also may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus, where salvation In Christ Jesus, is there salvation outside of Christ Jesus? No, it's in Christ Jesus and with it eternal glory. And he continues on with that thought. I don't have time to cover it all today. But salvation, salvation is plain and it's simple. God has provided it, but he's provided it in his son. You can't buy it. You can't deserve it. You can't work your way through it and one day then say, okay, it's yours, rightfully so. No, you have to obey the gospel. Matter of fact, a passage people know pretty well. And then I'm going to turn to another one. We can turn to it while I mention the one. uh, Romans 5, I'm going to read verses 8 through 10. Hey, them are all 8 through 10s, weren't they? Romans 5, 8 through 10 here in just a moment. But let me mention one you guys know pretty well. And it's... Misuse sometimes To mention that's all you have to do But it's not what it says But you guys ever heard of a passage It's found in John 3 and verse 16 For God So loved the world If God didn't love us so much Would we have the opportunity of being saved How much do you have to love someone To let your child die in a place So they can live I love you But letting my children or grandchildren die So you can live You're probably in trouble Okay You think how I mean that is over the top Isn't it I mean it's, it's so substantial That Jesus himself Would die for me That is unbelievable But that his father Loved me enough to allow it Is, is beyond me For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. God want us saved? How can he prove that more than giving his own son? So no matter what it costs us, I got off cheap, right? You think about that. So when I read about this, This grace has appeared, bringing salvation to all men. That's so important. Here in Romans 5, starting in verse 8, I like this passage a lot. I could spend the next three hours in this passage. You guys say, oh, no. But God demonstrates, I like people who demonstrate things, who show you how it's done. You know, we've got spoiled. When I was a kid, growing up, you couldn't do it this way. You might pull out an old Chilton's book or something when you're working on a car to look and see how things work. Now we just YouTube it, man. You can watch a guy do it himself. Oh, yeah, he did that. I can do that. Okay? We kind of like that demonstration thing. don't? No, here, watch me. I'll show you how you do this. I've always told a few doctors I know, I'd like to go watch you do some of this sometime. I'd like to come and watch you do open heart surgery because I think if I watched you once, I could do it. I don't think they'll let you. But anyway, you know, you show me how to do it. I think I can do it. But uh, I'm one of those people. Oh, yeah, I see. You know, I can do that. You know, demonstration's a big thing, isn't it? There's a lot of people who like to run their mouth and tell you how it's done. But it's a whole other thing when they show you how it's done, isn't it? Well, let's see it. Well, now, now. Oh, talk's cheap. God demonstrates His own love towards us, and while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Now, let me ask you something. Did I turn to God first, or did God give his son first? Let me tell you what. God didn't wait to see what you would do. He did what he had planned before the foundation of the earth, and then gave you an opportunity and me an opportunity to do the right thing or the wrong thing. We have free will. I don't have to do it. I don't have to obey God. I don't have to keep his commandments. I can go straight to hell if I want. I can do whatever I want. Now, some people think I can do whatever I want and still get to go to heaven. Well, the book don't work like that. And God's promises don't work like that. See, you're not entitled. We live in an entitlement society now. You're not entitled to heaven. I'm telling you, people think they're entitled to heaven. You are not entitled to heaven. You know, some people that were raised like I was. Going to Bible class church from the time you're a little kid before you can ever remember, and your parents brought you all the time and raised you up and learning these things, and you you grew up with generations in the church and everything. And if you don't watch out, some people that grew up with me, they started thinking they kind of earned it. I'll tell you what you earned. Your sin, you earned hell. And if you want what you earned or what you deserve, you're not too bright. I'll take what God did by his grace appearing and bringing salvation even to me. You know, and one thing when you think about that, when you think about this whole thing of what it says about salvation, it, the better you grasp it, the better you realize, I don't have the right to look down my nose at anybody because I'm no better than any single person on the planet. I tell people a lot, tell members of church a lot, when I go to whole gospel meetings and stuff, I start with this point, and Some people really have a hard time with it. But I tell them, you know the only difference between us and every other person in the world? and they'll start thinking all kind, one thing. One thing's different about me than them and that's forgiveness. I don't deserve it, but I get it. And I know how they can get it too. But I've, uh, I've sinned just like they've sinned. I deserve what they deserve. But by the grace of God and the salvation that has been brought in Jesus Christ, I don't have to get it. Neither do they. I'm thankful that someone shared that with me and I was able to obey it, and I'm going to do everything I can to stay in Christ where salvation is. You try to jerk me out, I'll I'll go down kicking and screaming, man. The fight's on. Because that's the only place to be. That's the only place to be. So let's turn back here a little bit. And look here at Titus two here real quick. Bringing salvation to all men. To all men. I've had even I've talked to people sometimes that says, "Well, you know, I'm talking with this person, and I think I got a Bible study set up with them." Well, they're not even worth talking to, huh? What? I said you probably weren't either. You know, if we don't if we don't watch out, we Think we're better than people Maybe Because of education You know I got a degree You don't have a degree I got to be a lot brighter than you I don't know I've known several educated idiots in my life So degree <laughs> I've known people that Are some of the brightest people I ever knew And they don't even have a high school diploma But I'm telling you they're highly intelligent And know how to use things when they learn them So education, some people think, well, if I got more money in the bank, I must be better than you. No, it just means you have more money in the bank. It doesn't make you any better. I can go to story after story in the Bible. The woman who is used as the example of giving the most that was ever given in the whole Bible only had two little coins to rub together that didn't even amount to a penny. And she was the wealthiest giver of all, but she is also one of the poorest people we ever read about. Hmm. Yeah. Wow. And Solomon spent a whole book. We talked about a little bit in class more with the teenagers in the book of Ecclesiastes, the wealthiest man on the planet. He finally gets to the conclusion of the whole thing in the end of Ecclesiastes 12, verse 13 and 14. But all through the book, he keeps talking about all this wealth and all this thing. And he keeps saying, vanity, vanity. And all that means, it's all worthless. If you don't have God and you're not right with him, it's all worthless. That's just stuff, just junk. You know, I've looked at a few caskets when they put them in the ground. I looked at them before, and I never see them piled full of gold and silver. I even see people come and take wedding rings off people for the burial. We ain't leaving them with that thing. That thing's worth money. You know, I've watched people do that. I don't care what you do with them. I mean, they're not going to do anything with it, it's not going to do them any good. You know, so I don't care what you do with it. But I'm just telling you, they don't, you know, it's like one guy said, I've watched a lot of hearse drive down the road. I've never seen a trailer hooked on the back, taking their stuff with them. Now, one guy said it best. You come into this world naked and you pretty much leave naked with nothing. You come in with nothing, you leave with nothing. But salvation, how important it is And it's to all men And it doesn't make you better because you live in a nicer house Or a nicer neighborhood I can go on and on and on none of, those, none of that makes any difference None of that makes any difference Turn with me over to 1 Timothy chapter 2 1 Timothy 2 Verses 13 and four. i got to get at least to 11 and 12 today okay? No matter what First Timothy 2 1 Timothy 2, verses 3 and 4. This is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. I like that. This is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires some men... Oh, it doesn't say that. All men to be saved. How many people does God want saved? All of them. How do you do that? You come to the knowledge of truth. You know, I've had people tell me all kinds of things about the Bible Well, Kendall, you don't understand That's an old dated book, it doesn't, it doesn't apply today hmm. Well, it does say uh, the God, Word of God abides forever So it's not like, it's not like other books um, I've had people tell me, well, you know, that's just a book of fairy tales I never read in the whole Bible once upon a time it's written in a time space dimension with people and things so specific, it's unbelievable. Written by about 40 men over a couple thousand years and not one contradiction between 40 men written over all those years. You tell me any man men ever figured that one out. It's the word of God. And so, when you look at this and see that he says here in verse twelve, in excuse me, here in verse four, for them to come to the knowledge of truth, they got to come to know what he says. They can be saved. They got to study the Bible. Well, I think it, it, it doesn't matter what you think. You know, I've said before, and I'll say it again. I still, re- well, I don't remember the exact time, but I remember. Uh, the scenario when I saw that bumper sticker the first time it says God said it I believe it that settles it I said amen I drove a little further I said you know not really amen if they left the center line out the middle line it would be amen God said it that settles it no matter who believes it or disappoints it doesn't make it right because you and I believe it if we've got a brain in our head we will believe it but God said it and that sett- you know my dad was kind of like that when he was raising me For some reason, he thought since he was a dad, he got to make the rules. He thought he got to decide when I'd come home. And if you didn't, it didn't work out well for you. And, you know, we had a set rule in the house I grew up in. Now, we didn't eat, just so you know, we didn't eat breakfast, lunch, and dinner where I grew up. Lunch was something rich folks do. We did breakfast, dinner, and supper. And so supper was served at our house at 530 every day, every day. And I'll tell you the set rule of the house I grew up in. There were six of us kids. And even when I was teenage, you rolled in. If you weren't there for the prayer at 530, you didn't eat the meal. People say, that's not fair. Take it up with George. That was my dad's name. Because he's going to say whether you like it or think it's fair or not, that's how we do it in this house. And so, you know what, man, I come sliding in there a lot, whoo, Slide in there, I look at everybody, I'll lead the prayer. You know, I just, I'm good, man, just as long as I got here before they led the prayer, because I'm planning on eating. So I knew what the rules were, and I knew if you didn't make it, there was no way you were going to get to eat that meal. People say, well, your mo-, my mom knew. No, that was how it was. That's how it was going to be. And so you look, we just have to think and see what the Lord has to say Turn with me to another passage, over in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9. 2 Peter 3 and verse 9. This is a big one. The Lord is not slow about his promise. The Lord's promised to come back, and it's been 2,000 years. You know, sometimes, have you ever had someone make you a promise, and you never knew they never planned on fulfilling it? The Lord's not like that. But the Lord also doesn't work on your schedule. You know, sometimes, you know, Lord, you pray for patience. Lord God, give me patience right now. We impatiently ask for patience. You know, I always told people, I look at that, patience. You know, that comes through trial. I'm not praying for patience. Because you get trials to build patience. Forget that. Uh, So, no, you look at that, and we see that as we read in this passage, he's not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you. Has God been patient with you? If he come back today, whether you're right with God or not right with God, has he given you opportunity? Has he already given you more than you could ever really ask for? He's not wishing for any parish, but for all to come to repentance. Repentance. I'm going to tie this all up here today, and next week, we'll Lord we'll only pick up with the rest of this. But he's bringing salvation to all men. And it's offered, but as we see here in 2 Peter 3 and verse 9, it, God demands Repentance. I say something quite often, and I might even hit on this in this afternoon's lesson a little more. Um, You know, I've talked with lots of people in my life and studied the Word of God with lots of people and had the blessing of being able to immerse, baptize lots of people into Christ in that watery grave of baptism. And you know, every person ever did that to, and me included, we all have a past, I have some things in my past I am totally ashamed of. How about you? I have some things in my past I just assumed you didn't know about. Now, because of the grace of God and the blood of Jesus Christ and salvation and obeying the gospel, before God, those things have been forgiven, and he doesn't hold those against me. Now, some people might still hold them against me, but God doesn't hold them against me. Now, all I can do is show people I'm changed. I'm not that way anymore. And, you know, you think about things you've changed in your life. There can be all kinds of things we've changed in our life. Maybe, you know, I think when I was young, maybe I didn't always use words I should have used. And, but I don't talk like that anymore. That's not me. I changed that a long, long time ago. I changed that. We've always got to make changes, don't we, to become more Christ-like? Christ-like. Well, repentance, that's what repentance is. I'm not going to live my way anymore. I'm going to live for him. And you know what? Even once I become a Christian and baptized sometimes, do you know sometimes I still mess up and fail and fall short of the glory of God? And I just have to own up to it and ask for God's forgiveness. And it's amazing. He'll forgive me again. But I have to be sincere about my repentance. I can't claim You ever met people who tell you they're Christians, but they live like the devil? That don't work. Do you know, typically, I just want you, you guys all know what a goldfish is, right? I'm pretty sure you're all that far along. You know what a goldfish is. You bring a goldfish home, you put him in, he's swimming along here. You know, healthy goldfish, you know what they do? They swim around. You know, if you come the next day and he's belly up floating... Uh Uh-oh, something wrong with him because healthy goldfish swim. Did you know that? Listen to this. Healthy Christians change from their past too. They're people of repentance. If you're here today and your life is not right with God, don't leave here without making it right. If you have questions, you want to look some things over, if you're ready to put on Christ in baptism, if you want to come and confess sin and ask for the prayers of the church, if we can help you, please come as we stand and sing.